Well, good morning. I love the worship time so far. We're not done yet. We've got some really great songs lined up. Did you enjoy that? I hope God enjoyed it. Isn't that really what it's about, that God is enjoying it? And uh, I noticed that I'm working the angles here. I'm going to make Bapticostals out of you yet. Somebody got the joke. Okay, that's, that's helpful. Last week, I did the State of the Church Address. I felt um, as hard as I tried to be clear, I'm not sure I was totally clear. So next week, I'll be totally clear. I'm not going to do it today because really, I don't want to talk shop or business. I really want this morning to be focused toward this table. Have you noticed how often in churches, especially conservative um, Bible-teaching churches, it seems that communion is often a tag-on at the end of the service. Let's get this out of the way, like, like taking the offering. You know, I mean, that's like one of the most painful times in the morning, right, taking the offering. Let's get that over with. And um, it really shouldn't be that way. And some churches get that the other way around, and they're actually right about that, that the, the, the gathering around the table is designed on purpose by our Lord Jesus to make us focus off ourselves and toward him and see what he's done on our behalf. Everybody say amen to that. Uh, Even if you don't agree with me, say amen anyway, so I feel good. So I'll get back to uh, business next week a little bit because I'm going to return. In fact, I'm returning today to Titus and uh, there's some hard stuff in Titus. And so we'll we'll utilize that to kind of bring things to to clarity. But for today, we want to give a little more attention, and so I'm trying to preach short. Now, that'll be borderline miracle all by itself if I preach a short sermon. I see some of you looking at me like this. Yeah, that's the truth, Hako. But I'm going to try to keep it crisp and um, talk about the dimension, really, of worship. And so my title today is Of Eulogies and Eucharists. Ooh, that sounds religious, doesn't it? Sounds like a funeral and a religious service. And that's exactly what you should be thinking because the words do move in that direction. We're talking about worship. Gathering around the table is a moment of worship. In fact, worship, we get this wrong a lot. Worship is everything everything we do. When we gather together as saints, everything that we... This is going to sound really bad because sometimes things are disrupted a little bit, but even our information about what we're doing as God's people is part of our worship. You know? Even... You need to know this is what we're doing this week or this is what, where we're going to go or this is who we're trying to reach. That's part of our attention to God and listening to what he's doing. But there are more specific, more formal dimensions of worship like when I'm reading the word or I gather for a worship service to sing praises to God and to hear the word of God or to gather around the table. Those are obviously dimensions of worship. The word worship comes from an old English Worship, which means to attribute worth to somebody. How complicated is that? And so it became worship, to give attention or give credit or honor to God, to attribute worth to the God that we say we believe in. I've had to read a whole bunch of stuff on it in the past. One of my courses 
uh, was all about worship. I had to read bunches of books, some of which were not worth reading again, others which were. And some of the fundamental ideas that come out, um, I'd like to share just the, the basic rudimentary idea of what's involved in worship itself. Worship, here's a simple definition, is an active response to God. An active response to God whereby we declare his worth. To worship God is to ascribe to him Supreme worth. Supreme worth. Worship to God is to ascribe to him supreme worth, for he alone is worthy. How many times the prophets and the the Psalms will say, ascribe to the Lord strength, ascribe to the Lord glory. Attribute worth to him because he deserves it. And here's a simple a uh, little instruction from this this uh, brother named Ronald Allen. I've heard him uh, uh, before. He's put out a number of books on the subject, and so have others. This book uh, called Worship was a critical concern book back in the 80s. In other words, they were concerned about worship back in the 80s. People are still concerned about worship up in the 2000s. People fuss over it, have their preferences, everything else. Worship simply, according to Ron Allen, is revelation and response. Revelation and response. This is kind of funny. This is dated. In our day of strong expository preaching, hmm, um, we have become better at hearing than doing the word. We become better at hearing than doing the word. Hear the word, receive. Do the word, respond. Worship means to respond to God. If we fail to respond, worship has probably not occurred. Whatever that response might be, through my life, through the week, becoming more like Christ, etc., that's part of my worship. But even when we gather as saints, that's why I like seeing people when they engage. Last uh, two weeks ago, who was on? Who preached two weeks ago? I was hiding in the back. Oh, Dave. Dave was preaching. I was hiding in the back. I was watching you people. That's scary, isn't it? You don't know what to know. I should videotape. I really should learn how to videotape. But anyway... But I, I got such a, a blessing watching someone, and I don't know how you do it, in the back row, with all the distractions that happen in the room, in the back row, I saw a couple engaged, just enjoying God. I thought, that is cool. That's what we're supposed to do. It's not about our socialization. You do that before or after. It's about attention to God. It's responding. It's revelation and response. So in order to keep this short today, let me just say this. Worship today, and we're gathering around the table, we want to talk about revelation and response. What's the revelation? I thought I'd return to Titus, a very simple, straightforward gospel text, which ought to get a response. It's a great text. It's one of the two best ones in the book of Titus that talk about God's salvific work on our behalf. So if you want to follow along in your the Black Bible in the pew, it's page 1194, 1194. But it's Titus chapter 3, 
verses 3 through 7. And here's what it says. Here's the revelation. This is revelation to us, isn't it? God has spoken to us. For we also once were foolish ourselves. Anybody want to say amen? Amen. Some of us more foolish than others. Disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating one another. Just get on Facebook, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) Then I love this, listen to this. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, we didn't earn it, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, get this, whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The faucet's there, you haven't turned it on, that's your problem. It's been poured out. Poured upon us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Get this, that being justified by his grace, we might be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Isn't that a great statement? It's awesome. Revelation. You just got the revelation. I got one response. Somebody said amen. But we need to respond. Here's what it's saying. Let me give a really quick summary. I love that opening. We were once foolish. One of the commentators mentioned that this word can imply being obtuse. (laughs) By choice. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I just don't get it. That's because you don't want to get it. You don't want to. It's like the Old Testament word for a fool. Have you ever read the fool has said in his heart? Anybody remember that? The word for fool doesn't mean a... That's not what it means. I know I did that really well. It's a little scary, isn't it? That's not what it means. A fool is a stubborn rebel who will not take counsel. Brings destruction on himself. That's the kind of language it's saying. Whether we're religious or not, we were in trouble. We were deceived. We were were off track. And uh, because of being foolish left to ourselves... We, we went down certain paths depending on what your particular sin story is, and we all have one, even if it's a very clean and very, you know, sweet-smelling story. You still got something. You still got something. We all do, right? So that's the first thing. We were, and that's why I've got three little points. Once, we were a mess, but he... A few weeks back, well, a number of weeks now, Brother Corey McGrail shared the word. I've gotten quite a bit of feedback about it, and people liked it, and uh, I'm glad to hear that. And he had this little statement, you were dead. Remember that? You were dead. Thank you. You were dead, but God. We were a mess, but he saved us. Not only saved us, gave us the Holy Spirit, he saved and sanctified us as, and has us in a process where the Spirit can continue to sanctify us and change our life, clean up the dirt, a lot of which we don't like to look at, but he just won't let me alone. How about you? I don't know about you. I, God just loves me. You know when people say, you know, you know the old line, don't pray for, don't ask for patience. 
Yeah, you know what God's, yeah, he's going to help you get patience, right? Because he loves you. And he does. But he saved and sanctified us. So, by the way, that verse, uh, we have it up there. The kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind. You want to know the Greek word for his love for mankind? Philanthropia. Does that sound like anything? Good, I think the Wizard of Oz said it was a, uh, he's a, phil- a, phil- a, phil- a, phil- a good deed doer. <laughs> Remember that? Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. A good deed doer. God, his love for mankind, his love for the human race, out of that motivation, he moved in on us. He invaded history and Jesus saved us. Dying on the cross, and it doesn't just mean in this text about the history which we remember at this table. That's why we're doing this, to remind us of what he did and to think about what he's yet to do. But it's not just that. He appeared to us when we met Christ. That's when he saved us in time and space. So once we, but he saved and sanctified us. And so we, the last thing is, we might be made heirs. There's the last line. We might be heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We might become heirs. <clears throat> Anybody ever been written into somebody's will? Some of us have. Some people have benefited because of it. Uh, I can't, rec- you know, I used to have a list of um, Pastor John's list of recommended movies that he can't recommend. <laughs> I can't recommend them because some Christians would watch it and go, oh, I can't believe he recommended that movie. So I just made the disclaimer, keep me out of the doghouse here. But there's a really, I, I thought it was a great movie. It's a rough one. Grand Torino. Clint Eastwood. Do you remember that? And for those of you who didn't see it, this old curmudgeon ex-military guy, no-nonsense, tough dude, he has some immigrants move into his neighborhood, and one of these poor guys is just being abused by the local gang members, and he takes matters into his hand. He kind of mentors this kid. Now, he's got grandchildren who are lusting after some of his stuff, because he's getting up there as Wife has passed away, and he finds out he's got cancer, and he's going to die. So he really puts it all out to help this young man. I won't give away. I don't want to be a spoiler. But the coolest part of the story is his kids are like thinking, oh, we're going to get this, and we're going to get that, and they're such ungrateful little tykes. His, immigration, his, his immigrant compadre, his little mentoree, he gives him his grand Torino. And the last scene is that kid going down the street with a grin as wide as... And the other kids were out. Oh, what a mean man. Actually, I felt good about it. I thought it was awesome. But anyway... He saved us so that we could be heirs of eternal life. It's better than a cool Gran Torino. And I mean, that was a pretty cool car. 
You know, he polishes it up, steps back, looks at it, ain't she sweet? I don't know if I can say it like Clint Eastwood, but anyhow. We get much better than that. I had to close out my aunt's estate, and uh, it was quite the ordeal, a lot of work and all of that. But I've got to tell you, because through our years, when you get a little older, this may happen to you more, once in a while, somebody wills something to you. And what a blessing it is when it comes, right? One time, because of my wife's family, we ended up finally having a car that worked. That was a first for a poor preacher. And then after my aunt passed away, we closed out and we saw some of the benefit that came our way once in a while. We sit and we think about all the hardships that were involved and we go, thank you, Aunt Joanne. Thank you, Aunt Joanne. You know, we got this out of it and it's like, thank you. What did you get out of it? You once were this, but God did this. You're an heir of eternal life. Are you saying thank you, Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what I've inherited. How I couldn't have afforded it. Left, I couldn't afford it. I couldn't afford it left to myself. I couldn't earn eternal life, not because of deeds of righteousness that we have done. We just read it, right? It's not because you earned it. It's a gift that comes from God. You can't earn it. Never can be good enough. As good as you are. It's never going to be enough. Doesn't work. Can I, can I pause on that? I know I said I was going to keep this short. I'm going to pause on this for one second. People think that there's this fulcrum, this seesaw. You know? Oh, I did a couple of bad things, but look at all the good things I've done. You know, I helped my neighbors. I did this. I plowed them. I used to, I snow blow my neighbors out, you know? All three, four, five of them. I mean, surely I've done it, right, Shirley? Surely I've done enough so that my little naughty stuff that I did way back in the, I just, in the 70s, all the naughty things, now it'll be legal, it won't matter anymore. But anyhow, I, you know, all my naughty stuff, surely all those good deeds I did makes the fulcrum go thunk, and I'm in, right? If you're thinking that way, you're doomed. You're doomed. You're going to go through a door into eternity and find out it didn't work that way. The only way you get in is a free gift, but you've got to believe him. You've got to believe him and receive him. We were lost, but he saved us and turned the lights on and turned us around and moved us in a direction. And because we see that new direction, we know that we're heirs of eternal life. We're getting the inheritance. And it's not just heaven, it's what we experience now. Let me show you a great verse. This is a great verse. I love this one. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us? That we should be called what? Wow. And such we are. For this reason, the world doesn't know us. Don't be shocked by that. Because it did not know him. Did you notice? Have you read the New Testament? Uh, People didn't. Yeah, it didn't go well for Jesus. Did you, did you know the story? Didn't turn out very well at the end. It didn't. The end end. Beloved, now we are children of God. It has not appeared as yet what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him. You know what the problem is? We don't look at him enough. 
to know how wonderful he is. So being like him isn't necessarily a high priority, but it really is everything. I'm still getting inched further and further along toward being like him. I know I got a long way to go. Thank you very much for sharing. But my point is, he's moving us further and further to become more like him, which is the best thing in the universe. God is the best. So, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. That's a little exhortation at the end. But the point is, we've inherited being the children of God. And one day, we're going to have his resurrection body. And he's going to clean us all up. I mean, heaven's going to have to be a whole different political structure than anything we've seen in the present. Don't we know that for sure? And it will be. We have a benevolent ruler who knows what he's doing. We will live in the Father's house. We inherit it. We inherit the Father's house. The right response as we gather around this table today is thank you. Thank you, Jesus. And by the way, we're going to worship today. I've got one of my deacons sharing, uh, leading our communion time. But what I want to do is a little different. Instead of praising God to each other, which sometimes ends up focusing a little too much on us, what I want to do is open the door to simply saying thank you to God for whatever. Thanking him, praising him. You know, it's hard work sometimes. Those of you who lead small groups, right? You know what I'm talking about. You say, I want everyone not to ask for anything. I want you to just thank God or praise him for something, right? We get maybe one out and then we're on requests. And it's like, it's work. So put a little work into it, and let's honor and glorify our Savior, Jesus. It does take work. So next, first is revelation. We just looked at the revelation. The next thing we want to look at is the response. And that's where my title came from. Eulogies and Eucharists. What is that? Worship is revelation and response. An expression of worship is... Praise and thanks. Look at this. Is not the cup of blessing which we bless a sharing in the blood of Christ? It's the first half that really matters here. Is not the bread which we break the sharing in the body of Christ? But the cup of blessing. The word blessing is the word eulogia. Sound like anything? You know what I mean. You know what a eulogy is. In the, in the basics of the Greek word, it simply means good or fine speech. A fine speech. It's gracious. It's saying, what a fine person. Eulogia. It's easy for me to say. Eulogy. Eulogia. To praise or give a eulogy. And when we do it spiritually, it means something else. But you, I, 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 you know, one of the, one of the advantages of, of uh, being an AARP member is that I can excuse myself for senior moments. Not really. I'm always embarrassed. But I don't remember if I've told you this before. So if I did, just chalk it up to my AARP card. But you may know the story of the funeral that was happening where a father was being buried. And 
the preacher got up and started going on about what a wonderful, and this really comes home to me, because I read, my wife started a bad habit in my life, I read obituaries. There must be something wrong, but I do that, make sure I'm not in there, and, um, and then find out how, and boy, everybody's an amazing person. Some people that were amazing, I didn't think they were all that amazing, but somebody did. Anyway, up front, the preacher's going on and on about this wonderful, gracious, generous, loving man. And the mom and dad, and the, the mom and the kids are sitting in the front row, and mom finally has had enough. She elbows her oldest son and said, Would you go up and look in there and make sure that's your father? A eulogia is gracious speech. It's gracious speech, and it involves blessing or benediction. If you say at dinner, how many of you ever said this? If you're old church timers, you know, old time church, old church. If you're, you've been around in church a long time, <laughs> we're going to eat dinner. Uh, Gene, would you say the blessing? Right. That's where it comes from. A blessing. In fact, look at how it's translated in the NIV. It's not the cup of thanksgiving, for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. So, eulogies and Eucharist. The first half is eulogy. Precious, gracious speech about God. Blessing God. I bless the Lord. We have songs that we sing. Blessed be the Lord. Whether he gives or takes away. You know, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. That's the word that is used. We bless this cup. We bless Lord. We worship. We want his benediction, his consecration. He, he wants to receive our worship. That's the first word. The second word is Eucharisteo. And here's uh, Jesus commanding us to do this table in the book of, it's a Corinthians. It's a couple of pages past what we just read. And when he had given what? Thanks. Eucharisteo. You wonder where high, uh, high church services get the word? The Eucharist. That's where it comes from. The giving of thanks. We're giving thanks for what Jesus did for us. We're giving thanks for this celebration that reminds us of what Jesus did for us. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Eucharisteo, the expressing of gratitude to God. Thanks, giving thanks, a thanksgiving prayer can also be used for blessing the meal. We return, that's another expression. I'll pick on somebody else. Don, would you return thanks? Ever heard that? No? We heard you return thanks for what we're about to receive, right? It's old-time language. It comes from these biblical words and these biblical concepts. The giving of thanks. The giving of thanks to God. See if you have a um, <clears throat> hymn book nearby. Go ahead. We're going to do a little thing together here. Got a hymn book? See if you can look on with one. Pull it out. I'm not trying to... This is not a test. Besides, if it is, it's an open book text. How, how easy can it be? Take, take the hymn book. Go to the back and find page 
7, 4, no, 719. There's affirmations of faith. The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, a contemporary affirmation of faith, 718. You get to 719. You find 719? It's called Todayum. That's not saying I got up Todayum. Todayum means to God. And it means praise to God. That's what the praise is filled in, you know. Praise to God. In other words... The church down through the generations has tried to keep a lively form of giving thanks to God on the table because we drift. Everybody's reading it. Wait, we're going to read it together. So somebody tore it out. 719. Did I say 719? Oh, I fibbed. You're right. It's page 664. I, okay. See, that they ha- I'm sorry. It's bad when your teacher confuses you, isn't it? A-A-R-P. Huh? AARP. Thank you, sister. I'm off the hook. Today, um, 719 is the number of the, of the song page, but the bottom page is 664. You're right. Hey, you are cool. Listen, I'll let you stay seated, okay? But I want you to read this out loud with me. Think about what we're saying. Because left to ourselves, we drift, right? Left to myself, I forget to praise God. I pray. I pray. I'm usually asking for help. How about you? But I forget to stop and say, thank you, God. Thank you. Thank you. And look at these statements of praise and worship eulogizing and eucharisteo, praising and lauding and giving thanks. Here it is, today I'm, follow along. Let's sing it, let's sing it, let's, let's praise him together by reading it together. I'll read it slowly and hopefully distinctly. We praise thee, O God. We acknowledge thee to be the Lord. All the earth doth worship thee, the Father everlasting. To thee all angels cry aloud, the heavens and all the powers therein. To thee cherubim and seraphim continually do cry, Holy, 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 Lord God of Sabaoth. Heaven and earth are full of the majesty of thy glory. The glorious company of the apostles praise thee. The goodly fellowship of the prophets praise thee. The noble army of martyrs praise thee. The holy church throughout all the world doth acknowledge thee. The father of an infinite majesty, thine adorable true and only son. Also the Holy Spirit, the comforter. Thou art the king of glory, O Christ. Thou art the everlasting son of the father. When thou lookest upon thee to deliver man... Thou didst humble thyself to be born of a virgin. When thou hadst overcome the sharpness of death, thou didst open the kingdom of heaven to all believers. Amen. Thou sittest at the right hand of God in the glory of the Father. We believe that thou shalt come to be our judge. We therefore pray thee, help thy servants 
whom thou hast redeemed with thy precious blood. Make them to be numbered with thy saints in glory everlasting. O Lord, save thy people and bless thy heritage. Govern them and lift them up forever. Day by day we magnify thee. And we worship thy name ever, world without end. Vouchsafe, O Lord, to keep us this day without sin. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Have mercy upon us. O Lord, let thy mercy be upon us as our trust is in thee. O Lord, in thee have I trusted. Let me never be confounded. And all of God's people said, Isn't that great? Let's pray. God. It's right for us to praise you. It's right for us to glorify you and say who you are, to just repeat it out loud that we love you and we bless you and we worship you and we thank you. You deserve it even if you hadn't rescued us, but you rescued us so we get to gain the inheritance. We get to live in our Father's house as sons and daughters of God forever. And so we worship you today with eulogies and Eucharisteo, giving you thanks, gathering around this table to lift up the name of our Savior Jesus in prayer and praise. Help us today. Lord, please receive blessing to yourself. Be blessed. Be honored. Be worshipped. Be satisfied with a sweet-smelling aroma the prayers of your saints rising to you. As we gather around this table, in the great name of Jesus, we pray and ask. Amen. One of our new deacons, Jim Whittle, is going to come and direct our attention to the table. Again, when we have open time, it's upward, upward, praising him. And don't be bashful.